Part of the Rewatching Good Television Podcast Network. It's the Sorkin Cast. Here's your host, Matthew Murdick. And welcome back to the Sorkin Cast. It's episode 33 of the podcast. And this week we're covering West Wing Season 2, Episode 7, entitled The Portland Trip. My name is Matt Murdick, and I am from SorkinCast.wordpress.com. That's where you can go to find all of the back episodes of the podcast. You can also find our contact links and our podcatcher links. And if you could take the time to review my podcast on whatever podcatcher you use, I would very much appreciate it. Um, again, you can find those links at sorkincast.wordpress.com, as well as all of the contact information. And if you have any feedback for the first 11 episodes of The West Wing Season 2, then I would love to hear from you. I'll need to get your feedback by Tuesday, the 19th of April in 2016, in order to be sure to include it in the feedback podcast that we will have the week following our 11th episode review of this particular season of The West Wing. Also, it's never too early to start thinking about your favorite and least favorite episode or scene or main character or guest star for the West Wing Season 2 awards, which we will have after we complete our Season 2 reviews the week after the finale. So uh, be sure to get those into me as well. How do you do that? Sorkincast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at Sorkincast, or you can call 314-669-1840. That's the Rewatching Good TV listener line, where you can leave feedback for a number of podcasts. Just say you're leaving it for the Sorkincast, and whatever thoughts you have about the podcast or the episode, I'd be very pleased to hear from you. And if you do leave me a review on iTunes or on Stitcher, I'll be sure to thank you in that feedback podcast coming up after we finish our 11th review of this season. That's enough about the podcast. Why don't we talk about this episode? Uh, just a little bit of the factual information to get us started. It is Season 2, Episode 7, The Portland Trip. It was a story by Paul Redford and a teleplay by Aaron Sorkin. It was directed by Paris Barclay. And the episode first aired on November 15th of the year 2000 and was viewed by an estimated 18.5 million viewers. We go to a kind of a ranking site called geos.tv. That's the Global Episode Opinion Survey who currently ranked this episode 87th out of, guess what, folks, 158 possible episodes. I don't know why I've been saying 156 all this long, all this time. Uh, evidently, there are 158 episodes of West Wing. Uh, my eyesight has gotten bad, evidently, and I wrote it down once and then have been copying and pasting it ever since. My bad. 87th out of 158 possible episodes. And here's your quick summary. While Toby, CJ, Sam, and the president fly to Portland, they work on an education speech. Meanwhile, at the White House, Leo must deal with a ship carrying oil against UN sanctions, and Josh must talk to Congressman Matt Skinner about legislation defining marriage. And every week we have a walk and talk. That's where people are walking around from one place to another uh, with a continuous shot or quickly edited shots. And this week's walk and talk really technically isn't a walk and talk because most of it is actually spent in a single room on the airplane. But there is one little part where they're walking and so I just included the whole thing because it's a really good clip and I didn't know how to work it into the regular show clips uh, without taking up too much time. So uh, that's why I included this particular clip in this week's Walk and Talk. Nice hat. Thank you. Ernesto Perez Baladeros, former president of Panama. You know where you went to school? Notre Dame. Yes, sir. Also Joe Garagiola. Was that a crack? No, sir. I understand you'd like to hear the song now. 
Yeah, but we got to do it later. The Tokyo Exchange just opened, and I'm going to gauge the impact on Pacific Rim banking reforms, a subject economic scholars could take years on. I would take 20 minutes. Speaking of which, Mr. President, I was asked about the late departure tonight. I thought we left on time. The late scheduled departure. You don't like late flights? No, I was just repeating a long flight across the night. You know why late flights are good? Because we cease to be earthbound and burdened with practicality. Ask the impertinent question. Talk about the idea that nobody has thought about yet. Put it a different way. Be poets. If you absolutely must. Tell Toby. Sam, he doesn't want to use the phrase permanent revolution. In education? Yes. Mr. President, Mao took a lot of long plane flights to Look out your window. Is there anything more romantic than that? And that's why we left at 9.05? No, we left at 9.05 because they thought my budget meeting might run over. But wouldn't it have been great if that was the reason? Yes. You don't like permanent revolution? It's a nifty phrase, but I think if we call for a permanent revolution, people are, you know, gonna expect one. Mr. President? We're flying, Toby. Live a little. Yeah. Mr. McGarry. I love how much this episode is about, you know, the beautiful notion of of ideas soaring high that get literally shot down or brought back down to the ground by reality. Our characters get to kind of soar like poets, as that clip describes, and then they get sobered up really quickly by the things that are out of their control. And this clip pretty much demonstrates really what I think is pretty much the whole theme of the episode, that it's okay to dream, but sometimes you have to take things in little steps. And with that out of the way, uh, quick jabs, which is our humorous quotes from the week, or sometimes they're little personal insults, uh, just the little back and forths that happen between the staff as we go along. Here they are. You weren't wearing that during the day today. Pity the girl who tries to get something past you, Josh. Did you steal that dress? I bought this dress. But you're returning it tomorrow. Yes, I am. That's stealing. I'm giving it back. After wearing it once. There's a word for this. It's stealing. I'm a girl on a budget, Josh. I'm being thrifty. Yes, and felonious. You think we should quote Mao Zedong? We do need a permanent revolution. Still, I think we'll stay away from quoting communists. You think a communist never wrote an elegant phrase? Sam? How do you think they got everybody to be communists? What happened? I can't turn the heat down. Did you try? No, I just looked at the thermostat and got discouraged. Really? Of course I tried. Uh, I could grow papayas in here. It's a nice office. It's the steam pipe distribution venue. It's got character. I think I'm losing weight. I play the flute. I'm a flautist. In high school, I was the best in my row. And so I asked myself, if I'd pursued the flute professionally, would I... Be meeting interesting men? And the answer comes back to me. Probably not. I played the trombone. Did you meet interesting men? Yeah. Is, is it a hard instrument to learn if I took it Talk up Talk to now? me about the full faith and credit clause. Good stuff in there. Let's move on to our first clip so that we can start talking about the plot of this episode. And in our first clip, CJ explains why she's going along on the trip to Portland. Leo tells the president about a ship possibly carrying illegal oil. Donna leaves the office to go on a date. Sam confides in Toby that his writing for the education speech is bad. Josh meets with a congress member, Matt Skinner, to discuss legislation about defining marriage, and Leo gets called to the situation room. I thought you weren't going on the trip. I'm now going on the trip. Are you being punished? I'm not being punished. I'm going on the trip. Well, if the whole bus goes off the record, will you tell us why you're going on the trip? I made fun of Notre Dame. No. Oh, no. I usually get away with it. They're playing Michigan tomorrow. I know that now. You can't bring that stuff when they're playing Michigan. Well, I'll have a lot of time to think about that on the midnight ride to Portland, Danny. Wheels up is 9.05. We'll touch down in Portland a little before midnight local time. Bruno and Hess? Yeah. We stopped the tanker in the Gulf. Who's? It's Cypress Flag Fund. Yeah. They tracked them coming out of Case. You think they got oil? Yeah. We're going to board them? Yeah. Anything else I should know? No, sir. I'll see you tomorrow night. Have a good flight, Mr. President. Thank you. What? 
Time to go. Not for me. Matt Skinner's coming down from the hill. When did this happen? Two minutes ago. Did you have plans? Did I have plans? Did you? Look at me. Hey, you look good. Yes, I do. What are your plans? We're having drinks, we're having dinner, we are dancing, we are having dessert. No problem. You can do all those things except for the drinks, the dancing, and the dessert. Josh. You need to be done with dinner in an hour and five minutes. Do you see what I'm wearing? Then over Rapid City, South Dakota, Casper, Toby? Wyoming. Let me see. Idaho. Can I talk to you a second? It's done. It's not. It's not good. It's not going well. We've had meetings, yeah, Toby. The last three weeks. I'm not confused about policy. What's the problem? I'm not writing well. I'm just. I'd rather not distribute this to the pool yet. Nice hat. Shut up. Sam and I are gonna work for a little bit. You'll have draft copies to distribute to the press in about three hours. It was already distributed. What, what do you mean? It was already distributed. You have to get it back. I can't get it back. CJ? They know you're polishing it. Well, I'm doing more than polishing it, CJ. You gotta get it back. I'll tell them there's a new draft. And, and you've gotta get the it. old draft back. They're not gonna read it. They might. So what? It's very bad writing, and it's got my fingerprints all over it. Sam? CJ, try to get it back. Come on. Ainsley. Good evening, Leah. What's with the fan? I just went and got it from my apartment. It's 17 degrees outside. Then I should move my desk outside, because it's 103 in my office. The heat's not working? No, the heat's working great. I can pass for that personally. Okay. You should really have Fresca in the building. I'll get right on that. Hey, man. You let Donna out? Temporarily. Just having dinner. All with her? Oh, gosh, she has no future with Why no future? Because I say so. You want some coffee or something? Uh, you got a beer? Yeah. It's too bad we're talking about this for the first time right now. I would have thought that was by design. Really? Ten days are up tomorrow. We know. We know you know. Josh, the language doesn't prohibit same-sex marriage. Of course it does. It ensures that for the purposes of federal... The government program, will define marriage as a union between a man and a woman. That's right, while doing nothing to prohibit gay marriage on a state level. When this bill was being discussed on the floor, there were some very ugly things said about homosexuals. Yes. They were said by members of your own party. In fact, they were said by one of the guys who escorted you here tonight, who's sitting out in the lobby. Yes, they were. You support this bill? Yes, I do. Congressman, you're gay. Yes, I am. What's going on, Mark? The Sudanese captain of the tanker refused to let naval personnel board. The CH-47 Seahawk helicopter was dispatched from the destroyer USS Monterey. The copter tried to land, but seamen obstructed the deck with freight. What else did they obstruct the deck with? They fired warning shots. From what? Russian-made Kalashnikovs. AK-47s. Yes, at which point the Seahawk retreated to its carrier group. Where are we now? Central Command's gonna have two F-18s buzz the ships, fire warning shots over the bow. There's no way this ends good. In fact, it's already over. It's not over yet. Trust me. I'll call the president. I guess the first thing I really want to say, just coming off the heels of the end of that thing in the Situation Room, is that the Situation Room never seems as exciting unless the president is there. It just doesn't uh, seem like that big a deal, no matter how dire the circumstance is. It's not that Leo doesn't carry any weight for me. It's just that uh, the president always makes it so dramatic. Anyway, uh, the marriage issue... With with Josh and this Congressman Skinner, I guess that's really the issue to note, uh, especially even in today's context, since it has still been an issue until, you know, the recent Supreme Court rulings and even as recent as January of this year when the, the state courts of Alabama uh, started throwing a wrench into things again. Um, throwing in a Congress member who is gay yet supports the definition of marriage to be between a man and a woman, it was an interesting way to approach the story. Uh, and I have to say that the stuff with, with Josh and Matt uh, was the most engaging of the storylines to me for this particular episode. Of course, the most humorous of the storylines uh, was the continued hazing of CJ by the president throughout the episode. Uh, a part I cut out here was the bit about the hat, though you do catch a little bit of it from Toby in one of the clips here, and, and you also... Uh, we'll get little references to the hat uh, as we go along, I believe. But I can't imagine being basically trapped on a plane and having to serve at the pleasure of the president when you've pissed him off about Notre Dame. That was not a smart move on her part. And it's not that CJ is dumb, uh, although I guess you could argue that it almost would seem that way in parts of this episode, 
that there's a certain naivete about Notre Dame or what have you here. But um, really, she's just managing the situation as best as she can, I think. So uh, she, I, she just didn't know about the importance of Notre Dame and, and Michigan, I guess, which I didn't know. I'd be in the same boat. Uh, speaking of boats, this, the stuff with the boat, I suppose, is meant to have the most like weight of everything, but it just really didn't seem all that impactful to me. Um, and the Donna Josh stuff, I, I think, is something that as many fans could care less about as take deep interest in. But since we've brought up the whole Donna Josh thing before, uh, there are camps that really ship Donna and Josh. It, it, it seems that uh, most of them would jump up and down at the idea of Josh telling Donna that she looks good in the dress, right? There, there was one comment Josh made to the Congress member that was like, you know, her, her date is no good because Josh says so. And I don't know. If you're a shipper, I think you could take that in a way that Josh is a little jealous. But I'm pretty sure that I'm interpreting it as Josh just knows what kind of losers Donna has typically gone out with. And I think you get by the end of the episode that he actually feels for her in that way. I mean, he feels bad for her in that way. Um, but he also hates it when she tries to make a big deal out of something that he knows is not likely going to be very good for her. And and this whole bit with Sam not being able to write very well, I guess it was supposed to be funny. I mean, I I know personally what it's like to be stumped when you're trying to have to write a tune or a song uh, for a specific deadline, like an ad jingle or something like that. Um, I might have taken it a little more seriously than it was intended. But then again, when we get to the end of the episode, it feels like Sam was really just looking for great oratory so that he could get himself out of his writing funk. But I want to talk more about that later. So let's move on to our next clip. We're in clip two. Leo briefs the president about the ship. Margaret and Donna express concern for Leo getting his divorce papers. Toby and Sam argue about the education speech. Josh and Skinner continue to talk about the bill. Then CJ asks for Sam's initial draft back, which was released to the press, which spawns a lot of questions. And after she's returned from her date, Donna visits Ainsley. They fire warning shots, maybe take out the propeller. Leo, just so they know, it's a tanker full of crude oil. If they miss the propeller and hit something else... They know. Excuse me, Mr. President. Would you stop looking at me like that? What was that? Margaret was giving me a look. Why? My divorce papers came today. She thinks I'm going to drink. I didn't know that. Don't worry about it, Mr. President. I'll keep you posted. Okay. Let's take a walk. Toby, you're the one for the last six months has been saying we need a radical approach. Yes, yes, I have. And I got shouted down in every meeting. I'd love to write a speech about a radical new approach to education, but we don't have one. So unless we can come up with an idea and implement it before landing in Portland, I prefer not to paint a picture in the interest of great oratory. Can't great oratory inspire an idea that can be implemented? We had six months. We're not doing it half-assed. We're not doing it tonight. Hey, Leo. I hope you don't mind. <clears throat> Margaret mentioned that you're divorced. Oh, come on. She mentioned that the papers came today. And yeah. She was worried that maybe... Margaret worries if the sun is going to rise. Go check in with Josh. Okay. The people want the bill. Congress wants the bill. The president needs to sign the bill. Public opinion can be wrong, Matt. The public opposed interracial marriage and school integration. You want me to reach back into the nostalgia file? That's, that's entirely different. How's it different? The, the, the government has a responsibility to protect the rights of minorities, but it can't impose the minority's values on the majority. Freedom of choice isn't a minority value just because the majority doesn't agree with the minority's choice. Josh, all the Marriage Recognition Act does is ensure that a radical social agenda isn't thrust upon an entire country that isn't ready for it yet. 32 states have passed laws banning same-sex marriage. The states are doing a fine job protecting themselves from a radical social agenda without a federal shield. Josh, you I like you guys who want to reduce the size of government, make it just small enough so it can fit in our bedrooms. Listen, I'd like you to give me back the draft copies of the morning education speech. We're going to replace them. Why the change? Toby and Sam are doing some work. Is there a policy shift? No. 
A new program? They're just polishing the language. Well, CJ, if there's a policy shift or a new program, it'd help to have the old text to compare with... There isn't what... a policy shift. There isn't a new program. This is Sam being Sam. Has political pressure from the NEA forced changes? And... Nothing's forced changes in the speech. There are no policy shifts and no new initiatives, I guarantee you. He wanted me to tell you that we're approaching South Bend and that he likes to hear the song at a brisk and steady tempo. Oh, kill me now. Mark, tell me we didn't hit anything. No. F-18s fired over the bow and the tanker stopped. Reboarded? Yeah, but the crew threw the log and the registry overboard. Mark. Also, the ship's manifest. How do these people think this is going to end? What is their best case scenario? I just go where you point me. Margaret? Yeah? Can you get me Secretaries Hutchinson and Burial? Yeah. And I need Air Force One the next three minutes he's got, okay? Yeah. What are you working on? I'm making notes for Josh. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the constitutional questions involved. Yeah, full faith and credit. Right. Do you and I look alike? I'm sorry? Do we look alike? No. That's what I thought. I, I didn't think we looked alike. Yeah. Have you ever thought about dyeing your hair red? No, you should. Why? You look good. We don't look alike. I'll see you tomorrow. I think because of the alabaster skin and the farm girl looks that You're I... You're wigging out, Donna. Yes. You sure you don't want to work upstairs? No, it may be hot down here, but at least it's quiet. Okay. I'm feeling weird about that whole Donna Ainsley thing. It feels like it was just there to generate some humor, but I don't get why Donna is wigging out anyway. It doesn't seem to make any sense that she's wigging about out about anything except maybe just because her date went badly but is it because the lobbyists thought that she was Ainsley I mean that is never really made clear um I don't know why she would wig out why she would go to Ainsley and ask that I need a female to write into me and explain this to me because I am clueless uh, I don't recall ever having a male come up to me and ask me a question like that or me asking another male a question like that. Um, we just don't process things that way. So I don't know exactly know what's going on there. Uh, and it just it weirded me out so much that I didn't even find it funny. Um, even though, the, you know, I did feel bad for Ainsley for her office being so hot, but oh well. As for Sam and Toby's argument about the oratory, you once again... Sam's really trying to jump in on the idealistic side and he's railing against this practical Toby, which is really strange uh, and frustrating for Toby, I'm sure, because we all know that Toby wants to be as idealistic as Sam. But I, I guess just because they, any ideas that they had prior were pretty much shot down in meetings, as Toby says, he he now knows that he has to craft the best message possibly to essentially say nothing right and that's got to be frustrating for him you can really feel toby's frustration about it but i i didn't like that he kind of took that frustration out on sam he was really batting sam down and again i'll just say that you know sam's more excited about this prospect because he thinks it's going to get him out of his writing funk or at least that's the impression that i get and if you think I'm wrong, feel free to send an email to sorkincast at gmail.com or call 314-669-1840 or tweet at sorkincast. And some female, please let, let me know what's going on with that Donna and Ainsley thing, too. Uh, speaking of Donna, back to the assistant side. You, you absolutely have to adore Margaret for her concern about Leo. And because she says this, then, then Donna and, of course, later on Josh are taking it seriously, too. Um, everybody loves Leo and they don't, they don't want to see him be hurt. And it's not because it would look bad for the white house. It's just because they all love Leo, but Leo actually, in my opinion, maybe he's a little more put off than usual, but he actually doesn't seem like the, the divorce papers are, are doing that much to him that he's, he's handling it pretty well considering how he ended up, you know, having to go back to meetings when he, he and his wife kind of first separated so while he plays off Margaret's concerns, uh, I think the end of the episode demonstrates that he was touched by them, probably almost as much as he was annoyed by them. 
Uh, and the argument between Josh and Matt Skinner uh, about the law, I had to cut that one down a little bit. It was mostly just statistics being used by either side to make their arguments. Um, but this whole storyline, as the everything kind of revs up, it reminds me a lot of the six meetings before lunch where Josh you know, had to argue with that guy about uh, slave reparations. Because it, it seems like Josh is arguing passionately about the issue but in terms he's bringing it to a personal level with Matt where he's kind of missing the the personal big picture that's going on with Matt and we'll get to the resolution of that in the next clip and as for CJ uh, I mentioned before that this episode might make her look a little dumb I guess but I, I take it just more as her being abused uh, she's getting hazed pretty bad you know, from the president having her sing the Notre Dame fight song to Sam and Toby earning her extra trouble from, from the press trying to get the original speech drafts back. I mean, she is getting worked. And I guess while the Notre Dame st- stuff is a big source of it, the, the speech part is, is something that would have happened no matter what. And she does handle all of everything pretty gracefully except for, you know, when she's alone and she has a way to be able to kind of vent some of that frustration. Uh, And uh, some of that boils over in the next clip as well, which we'll get to. CJ and Danny argue about the speech's first draft. Charlie comes up with an idea to help change education policy. Josh and Matt Skinner reach a point where their argument becomes personal, and Toby has to rein in Sam about the education idea. What's the problem? How you doing? What's the problem, Danny? CJ, there's no earthly reason why I should give you that draft back, and you know it. You can't even believe you're asking me for it, so unless you're here to give me a hot towel and some chocolate chip cookies, you better. Everybody else gave it back to you. And everybody else can buy my paper tomorrow. I'm guaranteeing you all no substantive changes, no new policy initiatives. You don't have to guarantee me I got the old copywriter. I haven't heard the big idea. Sir, the speech is in pretty good shape now. Yeah. As you know, I began my campaign. What happened to 100,000 new teachers? Sir? No money? No teachers. Toby. There aren't 100,000 new teachers. We can't make people be teachers. We can give incentives. In certain public districts, there are uh, tax incentives. Well, it's not doing the trick. No, no, I know. But for right now. What's that mean? I'm sorry? What does that mean? I was just scribbling. You wrote down, send them to college. I was just scribbling. What did you mean when you wrote down to send him to college? No, because it's like circling horses in the paper but not making the bet. Tuition incentives, Mr. President. Talk, Charlie. The government will send you to college or law school or medical school if you spend three years in the armed forces when you graduate. Why not? College tuition to anyone and everyone who wants to go to college in exchange for they teach in the public school we send them to. Why can't that idea be floated? Anybody know how we pay for it? That comes next. Yes, it does come next. So for the moment, why don't we... Kick this around. I'll be in my study. Incredible sky today. This is going to be a law whether the president vetoes or not. They have the votes in the Senate to override it. Senate's not in session. The president can stick this in his pants pocket and it's vetoed. And it will come back in January, and you will have to live through this twice, and you will lose both times. Matt, ask me the question. He compared homosexuality to kleptomania and sex addiction, Matt. Yes. The majority leader, the leader of your own party. He was wrong and I told him so. You're crying out loud. Ask me the question, Josh. How can you be a member of this party? You've been holding that in for way too long, man. This party that says who you are is against the law. I agree with 95% of the Republican platform. I believe in local government. I'm in favor of individual rights rather than group rights. I believe... Free markets lead to free people, and that the country needs a strong national defense. My life doesn't have to be about being a homosexual. It doesn't have to be entirely about that. We're not floating a policy initiative, Sam. I don't care if it's a trip to the moon on gossamer wings. Look, it's pie in the sky to say nothing of patronizing to have privileged Ivy Leaguers play teacher to America's most vulnerable children. The people taking advantage of this aren't going to be overprivileged. How do you suppose the teachers' union will feel about it? They'll have 100,000 new members. All of whom will leave after three years. Most of whom. And the kids will be abandoned as well. They won't be abandoned. Their teachers will Once leave. Once you're in fifth grade, what do you care what your fourth grade teacher's doing? Where are we getting the money? 
Where are we getting the money? I was really mortified I froze up on that speech. Should have told me a few days ago. Yeah. And I'll just say right off the top, poor CJ, because we all know by the end of the episode, she's getting played by Danny. She's getting hazed by him, too, about the whole Notre Dame, Michigan thing. But given the friction that they've had as of late, I'm betting that CJ at this point probably thinks that he's just doing this out of relationship spite out of anything else. You know, he's just doing it because they didn't work out. And CJ Again, it's just really getting worked in this episode by everyone. And now she's she's making this statement about how there's, you know, no big changes in policy or whatever. She'll have to try and recant that uh, in the next clip by saying there are my policy shift. And then finally, Toby uh, kind of reining in Sam at the end of this clip uh, that leads to uh, getting CJ out of the dilemma. But it's just terrible for poor cj i felt bad for her this episode although you know cj can be kind of a smart aleck so she probably you know deserved a little bit of this Uh, and it's cool that they treat her as one of the guys uh they don't let her off the hook anymore and i really don't think they put her on the hook anymore than they would anybody else too so that's good uh speaking of sam and toby by the way toby is in this tough spot again because he would probably love this idea at any other time other than now, right? We've kind of learned through this episode that this idea coming up out of nowhere and there's no planning and the fact that any call Toby has made for some kind of bold stroke has been shouted down a lot now. So really, again, as communications director, he just really can't afford to have things go wishy-washy as far as a message uh, goes at the last second. Because the questions that he asks are the questions reporters are going to ask. How are you going to pay for it? And this whole thing with Sam, as I've mentioned again and again, it just seems like an overreaction to his self-criticism about his writing uh, when we get to the end. He says, you know, I really thought I'd frozen up on that speech, whatever. Um, I think everybody in the room loves the idea. But the impression that you get is that Sam loves it just as much for the fact that it can bail him out on this writing wise because he can be aspired to achieve that great level of oratory that he likes. Um, and that seems just kind of weird to me. It doesn't seem very Sam that it, it really came down to that. And maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong, you know, send me an email or tweet me or call the voicemail line. Tell me I'm an idiot, but it just, the way it left off with that really being, Sam's last statement just really kind of weirded me out a little bit. And I do really like the idea that Charlie comes up with this. I mean, I think it's a great idea. And since he is young and he doesn't come from money, he would most likely be really in touch with how to get a young group of people that don't have a lot of money. If they can scrape up the money to go to college, then they want something that's going to pay them really well once they get out so that they can pay off their their schooling because I, I know several music teachers myself and they're still recovering from having to pay off their college debts because of the disparity between the cost of college and what is typically a, a lower salary average uh, for that kind of workforce for the teaching workforce teachers don't make a lot of money uh, but they have to pay just as much money to go to school so uh, it seems like a great idea. Uh, there are, of course, roadblocks, as there are with any kind of government-sponsored thing, is where do you get the money? But uh, I do like the idea. And finally, the bit between Josh and Skinner. I, I mean, personally, I, I do see this bill as wrong because I, I don't believe that you should be able to regulate and define love. Love is something between two people, and I don't think it can even be determined outside of the two of those people, because I think love is different for everybody, and different couples find love in different ways, Uh, and uh, just defining it by uh, what uh, sex a person is, then I I don't think that that uh, should be in the context of of any kind of, of law. Um. Plus, you just have to understand that by restricting marriage 
uh, in this way, then you're placing extra financial responsibility on people who are in love that don't fit within that definition. Um, but I do like the idea that Sorkin tried to make Skinner seem above just the issue itself as a human being. Uh, he says that he's not defined by the fact that he's gay. We all want to say that, you know, we're not defined by the fact that we're black or white or Muslim or, or Catholic or or what have you. We don't want to be defined by that. But at the same time, I mean, Skinner is condoning a bill that, that goes against tolerance, which is something else that we all want, right? I mean... For me, it's not a complicated issue at all. It's just don't go there. Uh, but I, I can see from a lawmaking perspective how it could be a very complicated issue. And it has been. Um, and I guess as of January, it continues to be, at least in terms of uh, the Alabama courts. Um, and that's kind of why we need Ainsley in this episode, uh, to, to kind of parse through the constitutional law a bit. So let's get to her contribution in this next clip, clip four, where Ainsley tells Josh about the full faith and credit clause. Josh tells Donna that she's worth more than she knows. Leo tells the president what's going on with the boat. And Danny turns the draft over to Toby so that he can tell CJ that he went to Notre Dame. Talk to me about the full faith and credit clause. It says that full faith and credit shall be given by each state to the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state. It means if you're married in Maryland, it's got to be recognized by Nebraska. So how is the Marriage Recognition Act not unconstitutional? Because it also says that Congress can prescribe the manner in which such acts and records are proved, which means they can decide what being married means within the context of Article 4. Josh? Yeah. Toby. <clears throat> yeah. What's going on? I'm going to tell him to sign the damn thing. Okay. How's his mood? He's frustrated. He's feeling... Yeah. You know, when he goes off on a thing, Toby, he expects you to bring him in. He wants you to do it so he doesn't have to do it himself. I'm going to talk to Leo. I'll see you guys Monday. Good night. Take it easy. Did you know she played the trombone? I didn't. Tonight stunk, Josh. I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean having to work, although that was a treat. I meant the guy. Who was he? Lobbyist with Travis West. He was pretty full of himself and without a lot of cause to be. An obnoxious insurance lobbyist? What were the odds? Isn't funny, Josh. I gotta go see Leo. I'll call you in the morning. You look really great. In that dress tonight, Donna. You should buy it for yourself. Sir, we hold the ship in Bahrain and send a sample of the oil to the U.S. Customs Lab in San Francisco. You know what's going to happen? They'll sell off the cargo in a friendly port. 780,000 metric tons of gas oil against a $2 million fine for the oil company. Mr. President? Their profits from the sale will more than cover. We're not providing much of a disincentive to evade U.N. sanctions. If we're going to have sanctions at all, I think that we should make them stick. I think that we should confiscate the cargo, seize the ship, sell the oil, and use the money to beef up anti-smuggling operations. You don't mean tonight. You mean in the future. <sighs> yeah. In the future. Oh, one thing before we land. When I said before that there'd be absolutely no policy shifts or new initiatives in the education speech tomorrow, that was correct, except it's possible there might be a policy shift or a new initiative in the education speech tomorrow. There isn't going to be a change. There isn't going to be a change. Danny? He's not going to give it back. Danny, Sam choked hard on the last draft and wants to burn it. No problem. No problem? Tell him to relax. He'll get his swing back. Yeah. Tell him I didn't read it. Thanks. You were just having a little go at me, weren't you? Yeah. It's a long flight. So you decided to kill time by... Yeah. You know why? Tell me you went to Notre Dame. 
Maybe next time you won't be so quick to mock on the eve of a Michigan game. There must be an escape hatch here of some kind. Lots of frustration on everyone's face in these scenes that are in this clip. You know, from Josh to the president to CJ. Though, really, CJ's frustration was just about getting played, I guess. And and the fact that Danny went to Notre Dame, I, I've been thinking about this. It's probably the reason why we've seen Danny kind of be a favorite of the presidents in the first place. I mean, we've heard stories about them riding along together on the campaign trail. And the president, to me, seems to favor Danny a lot. He just recently, he, you know, told CJ that he was going to grant Danny access as far as that three-part feature, all of that. And I wonder if the way Danny got in you know, kind of got in the president's good graces in the first place is because he made it known where he went to school. And I'll I'll just say once again, I don't feel like this episode made CJ look dumb or naive. Uh, I know I've complained about that for CJ in, in some episodes, but this again is really just CJ being in a totally unwinnable situation uh, because she chose to poke fun of the president's school at the very wrong, wrong time. And I I would have done the same thing. Like I said, if I was inclined to poke fun at at a school myself, I I mean, I'm not much on the comprehension of sports rivalries other than my St. Louis Cardinals and the the Chicago Cubs, of course. Uh, By the way, the Cubs had a really good postseason and a really good offseason. They they took all of of my players away, all of my Cardinal players away. I think they're going to kick our butts this year. Um that's that's bad. Oh well, that's the like I said, that's the only rivalry I know. So I would have never known the, the Notre Dame Michigan game uh was a big deal. Um Josh, as far as his frustration, uh he's had an unwinnable situation as well. Because as Skinner pointed out, all the president can really do is is just stick the law into a drawer. You know, he can kind of duck it with a pocket veto this time. And while he ultimately doesn't advise the president to sign the bill, uh, when he tells Toby that he's going to tell him to, you know, it's more or less because he knows there's going to come a time when they're going to have to, because by not signing it, you'll have done more political damage uh, than if you do sign it. Uh, But there's more about that in the next clip. So we'll get to that then. And again, I'll just point out that there's some good, Josh Donna stuff in this clip that makes you shippers hearts flutter. I'm sure I'm kind of a Josh Donna shipper myself, but I liked Josh and Joey a whole lot too. Um, But you know, when Snuffy puts pretty music under Josh talking to Donna, then there's something to be implied, right? Uh, There you go. Tumblr have fun. And uh, of course the, the president is very frustrated uh, with the whole oil embargo thing and, and really how the oil embargo has no teeth. And that was actually something that was pointed out by CJ earlier in the episode. I, I think I had to cut that part out. Uh, you can also see, uh, went back at the White House office, you can see Leo's expression and the way he, he himself has to kind of rein in Bartlett, you know, by saying, well, we're going to do that in the future, but not tonight, Right. Uh, it's kind of the same way that Josh told Toby that he would have to rein the president in. Um, and none of that's un- uplifting. That's kind of the dirty job of, of being an advisor, isn't it? Is because then you get to allow the president to say in his memoirs, I had this idea and everything and I got pulled back by the people around me. Um, and <laughs> it's not like this is the worst news that president's going to get either. He's going to get more bad news from Josh in this final clip, too where Josh gives the president advice about the Marriage Recognition Act. Leo thanks Margaret for her concern. And as the plane lands, CJ finds out why the president went to Notre Dame. Finally, Toby proposes a small start to an education initiative plan. They'll send the bill again when they're in session. Meanwhile, we focus on the Employment Non-Discrimination Act. If I'm going to sign it in January, why am I vetoing it now? A symbolic gesture to the gay community. We shouldn't be defining love, and we certainly shouldn't be ill-defining it. I should get out a rubber stamp that says, Josiah Bartlett votes no. It's exactly what the conservatives are hoping you'll do. I should get out a rubber stamp. Sir? Put it in a drawer. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. President. 
We'll talk at the hotel. Have a good night. You too. Hey, Leo, Margaret mentioned... Oh, come on, Josh. No, she just said... My divorce papers came today. She thinks I'm going to drink. Sounds like a pretty good reason, though. I'm an alcoholic. I don't need a good reason to. You want to have coffee someplace? I want to go home. Okay. I'll see you on Monday. Margaret, I'm going. Okay. You're a good girl. Sir? Yeah. You're off the phone? Yeah. That was a question? For a sidebar on the game tomorrow. Why'd you go to Notre Dame? Why not? Bearing in mind that I'm just repeating someone else's question. You were accepted at Harvard, Yale, and Williams. Why did you go to Notre Dame? Because I was thinking about becoming a priest. Really? What happened? I met Abby. Why can't you ever give me answers like that when we're running for something? Because I like to bother you. Well, I shall not be defeated. Sit down. Okay. Mr. President? Toby. Here's the final draft. Toby, you should sit down. We're landing in a minute and ten seconds. I didn't know that. I set my watch to the cockpit computer. You should sit down. Thank you. <clears throat> you know why the assistant energy secretary is on the plane? You have a meeting with him on the way back. That's right. I think Charlie's idea was a good one. I think you should ask Leo to put together a team to study the feasibility of appropriations for a pilot program with 100 teachers. They're taking the tanker to Bahrain and the company's going to make a profit. Yes, sir. The Marriage Recognition Act is going to be law. Yes, sir. 100 new teachers? Yeah. Instead of 100,000. Well, it's a star, I guess. So, as I mentioned before, you have all of this frustration with Bartlett uh, going from the boat to this bill. And it's great how he kind of has to find it within himself to rein himself in. And, and with just a few words, he kind of gives the viewers, as well as probably himself, a little bit of hope uh, when you get to the end as the plane's landing where he says, well, it's a start, I guess, in response to the 100 uh, teachers. And that is a beautiful idea. I mean, I don't know how realistic it is in politics because everything seems so immediate in politics these days. But I, I do like the idea of, of chipping away at that rock, that huge rock, just little by little until you get this beautiful statue and it literally does take just time and, and effort and uh, the smallest detail can make the biggest difference. Plus the idea that they, they land, you hear the, the wheels screeching and everything right after he says that is great too, at least from a, a metaphorical sense, because all of this high flying that they've been doing in the plane is now back to the reality of having both feet on the ground and, and going from there. Whoa. Look at Matt with his cheesy metaphors. Um, and as far as the pre-story goes, that, that was fantastic as well. And it, it was kind of like the, the perfect peace pipe for him and CJ to end all of their Notre Dame stuff. Uh, at least this episode. We'll have to see if it comes up in any future episodes. And I also want to say that back at the office, Josh being concerned for Leo was great. And Leo gives this great response to, you know, how this event doesn't make him want to drink any more than any other time. He says, I'm an alcoholic. I don't need a good reason to drink. 
um, that really hits home for what the struggle of alcoholism or drug addiction or any kind of addiction is for a person on a daily basis, on a minute-by-minute basis, I'm sure. And then you have Margaret, who is still there, still concerned. And that care that she has for Leo is not just the boss, again, but just somebody who you get the sense she just really looks up to. That's fantastic. Uh, This is another one of those episodes that doesn't make me just love Margaret for the fact that she's funny all the time, but just she just was great brought a little tear to my eye and with leo's you know you're a good girl that also just really demonstrates the way he feels about her concern and and how thankful he is to have it from her um so that was all very touching for me like i said a little tear in my eye uh in that moment again helped by snuffy's great score and that's all of my thoughts for the episode itself for the clips so let's get to my episode rating So where does Matt get his numbers for his rating from? Well, go to sortincast.wordpress.com and you'll find my special 10-point grading scale there, how I come up with my numbers. And really, this episode isn't a favorite episode for me by any stretch, but I do think it's a good episode. I feel kind of weird about it. Um, The Donna thing with Ainsley um, seemed kind of weird and interruptive. And the Sam jumping on that idea to more or less get his writing going again seemed weird because it was like by the time Toby had to shut it down, he had abandoned all reason, you know, because you can't just throw an idea out there and not have a plan for it is what basically what Toby's saying. And Sam's trying to throw an idea out there because he can write better. At least it's again, it seems that way to me. Everything else seemed decent enough though. And, and, there were some nice moments. There were some funny moments in it. And I'll go 7.9 for my rating. Um, again, not a perfect episode to me by any stretch. Mainly because of disappointment in characters, I think, more so than uh, the actual technical aspect of the episode. It was neat to have everything kind of really closed in and the plane that added the extra feeling of, of things not going so well. Uh, that was a neat idea to cu- couple all of that together for sure. But 7.9 is my rating, and that's it for this week. Next week, I will have a guest with me, I hope. Um, you'll find out whether I do or not. But next week, I'm planning to have Richie on to review Season 2, Episode 8, Shibboleth. And you can contact the podcast by sending an email to sorkincast at gmail.com. Or you can call the Rewatching Good TV listener line, 314-669-1840. Or you can tweet at SorkinCast on Twitter. You can find all of that information at SorkinCast.wordpress.com. Thanks for sticking with me on these solo episodes. I appreciate you doing so. I know for some of you people who have even left reviews, um, my voice is annoying. But uh, I don't think I can change it. I guess I could talk like this. Or I guess I could talk like this. Nah. See you next week. Find all of the back episodes, links, and more information at sorkincast.wordpress.com. Leave the podcast a written review at our iTunes or Stitcher store pages. To submit feedback, send emails to sorkincast at gmail.com or call 314-669-1840. The Sorkin cast is a member of the Rewatching Good TV network.